0: You're listening to the Mashup Americans. Hey, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair, and we are the Mashup Americans. And you know what, Amy? Yes, Rebecca? I am in need of a serious laugh. Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) I love to laugh all the time, but I'm in need of, like, serious business laughs. It's a job. (laughs) So, luckily, you're you're easy to make laugh. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> I'm a cheap laugh. I'm an easy you're cheap one. La- yeah, I, mean- I mean, at
0: least for me. I'm like, oh, who's the funniest person around? <laughs> Gotta be me. That is
1: you. Well, you know what is nice about this podcast is we get to um, handpick everybody who's on it so we can
0: choose mm. people who are going to make us laugh that is very true and the person we handpicked to be on the pod is someone who makes me laugh all the time that's lisa tregar glitter cheese on the internet mm. and have you ever seen the bit where she talks about buying her dad a faberge egg oh god Yes, because this is
1: like (laughs) the most relatable content when she's like, my immigrant parents, they like bought a house, but I bought my dad a Fabergé egg.
0: Just so we're just off base. You know what I mean? We're just like just like one notch off.
1: I mean, live, laugh, love. Well, Lisa is a Russian Jewish mashup who immigrated as a kid to the Midwest. She was like my suburban neighbor in Chicago. She's a stand up comedian, a feminist and just someone who we truly delight in because she says all the things we wish we could say. Like, I just want to stand up and cheer during her stand-up, which you can find her special Glitter Cheese on Comedy Central. She's part of the Degenerate special on Netflix. And she's also the host of That's Messed Up, and SVU podcast. Dun-dun.
0: Dun, I don't dun, know. Dun. <laughs> My parents used to call that. They'd be like, oh, look, dun, dun is on. Um, <laughs> she also has some of the world's greatest bubba mices, which we respect. And this is truly part of our ultimate guide to a mashup life. The wisdom from our elders comes in a lot of shapes and sizes. And some of it includes never putting your bag on the floor. Literally never. Wow, I really laughed hard. Here's Lisa. <laughs>
1: We have been thinking and loving your work about how freeing it is to listen to you and laugh, like literally actually like it wasn't even a laughter, but like a scream erupting from my body at some points. And like the freedom I get to feel how good it feels to be bad. And I think that you have an incredible gift for making the spirit of rebellion feel so alive and good. And like we can all fucking do it. Like we can all say these things if we just like listen and laugh hard enough to you. And so we wanted to say we're huge fans and we love that. And that's why we came to you. There are are consequences
2: to speaking your mind. That's the thing. Everyone is like, oh my God, I love that you just say it like it is. And it's like, yeah, a lot of people do not like me. You know what I mean? I bother people. Um, Conflict isn't always easy or like what people say to you. So it's like, there are, um, but I ran into a girl from high school that I hadn't seen since high school. She was at my show in Phoenix and she told me, she goes, you always spoke your mind. She goes, when I found out you were doing comedy, I wasn't shocked. And I liked hearing
1: that. OK, so mm-hmm. if you brought up high school, take us back to the beginning. It doesn't surprise anybody that you became a comedian. Why? Tell tell. what's the genesis of Lisa.
2: Well, just, you know, this one girl. I, I, I my mom has this. But like. I do have this sense of justice and not minding my own business, getting involved in things I shouldn't like um, thinking things are unfair or fucked. And I just never really had a filter. And Mm. I was always um, talking and being annoyed at something or someone (laughs) or. And and then on a fun note at the basketball sleepovers or hangouts or swim team, I was like. The one that stayed up the latest, setting the silliest things, happy to be the butt of the joke. Like, um, I brought a lot of fun to the sleepovers, I would say. So that's the good element. And then the bad element is I would be like, go fuck yourself.
0: <laughs> you know? But, uh, how, how old were you when you moved to the States?
2: So I was um, young. I was three years old. Mm-hmm. And we did. So we're Russian Jews. It, now it's present day Ukraine. I'm from Odessa on the Black Sea. Mm. And so we did the russian jew journey um mm-hmm. like a lot of us came in the late 80s early 90s so we did italy and austria mm. and then came to chicago and it was um you know a really jewy area obviously mm-hmm. cuz that's who brought us the jewish united fund so my sister went to like a jewish school i ended up not thank god um <laughs> just for a little bit i did but um, so, a Jewy area. And then we moved to Skokie. And Skokie, after World War II, had the largest population of Jews outside of Israel. So, the Nazis would come march. There's like a famous Nazi march. Always. Mm. Every year, the KKK march. Yes. So, Skokie. as a kid, we would have to talk about free speech and the KKK, and the KKK would come. And it was like kind <laughs> oh, of a part of the Skokie background. So, I feel lucky because Skokie was so diverse and so amazing. And I just met up with – an because of comedy, I do get to see people from high school often, which is fun Mm -hmm. because I travel so much. And I was talking to this girl, and she ended up going to Duke, Yale, Harvard Fellowship. She's just, like, really smart. And she goes, I didn't realize how lucky we were to be in Skokie until I went to these, like, super Mm. white elitist places. She's like, I've never been – because she's black, and she was just like, I never – I don't know about never, but yeah, we all we were just like talking about how Skokie was like, I'm so glad I grew up there.
1: I'm I'm curious with the, the career that you've built and this kind of um, I don't know, it feels gross to say it, but like your comedy brand, your comedy style of being out and like being out there being able to say all the things and dealing with all the conflict you said that there's a lot of things that are hard about that so like what is hard like what what does it feel like you're when you feel like you're doing your time or
2: oh on stage I don't really think a lot about it I just like um I just do what I want on stage and it Mm. feels great and I guess the thing is sometimes people won't like you, but that's for all comedians, I right. think. Um all for but, also for all people. Yeah Especially 100%. in show business, but also just
1: all people. Yeah.
2: There is just like a benefit of the doubt if you are a dude that is not given to the like there are there are dudes when you walk out that are not happy to be there. The yeah, girls mm-hmm. have brought them. And mm-hmm. they and then Ninety percent of them by the end are like leaning, they're smiling, like they they can't even believe they're wo- they want to hear a woman talk, like it, they just can't. <laughs> and but they love it, and then they're like, whoa, you know. Um, but then the, sometimes it's just like the energy is crossed arms. They just hate that you're up there so much, and I usually kick them out. They don't even have to say anything. I'm like, your energy's actually bothering me, and I need you to leave. Wow. And then that's it because you can't ruin my fun. The way that I would
1: love to do that 100% of the time of my life.
2: And it just bothers me because a lot of, like, when I have a podcast with my friend Kara that's mm-hmm. messed up, an mm-hmm. SVU podcast. And, yes. The girlies that come to our live show, they're just so happy to be there. And I always get really sad when their partners can't get it up for them. You know, like for me, I could go to a sport. I love going to sporting events. I like doing things, but I can go to a concert that's not my musical taste and have fun for my friend or my person or like enjoy things. And I get sad when I see dudes that like their women being excited. They want to ruin it they're like mad to even be there. And that
0: always Mm. upsets me. I've not not yet gotten to see you live, Um, but seeing your specials and clips, you know, your crowd work is so wonderful. And like, you're just going in at it, you know, and, and that's part of their, like, it's that high wire, like electricity, that high wire act where you're like, ah, what's gonna, what's gonna happen? Yeah. Like when you go into a room, there
2: are people that you are ignoring and they are ignoring you. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, like you have to be okay with going into a room and knowing there's going to be uncomfortable energy because you fought with tons of people and mm-hmm. I think I, I it happened more after 2016 but truly I I got radicalized into feminism very young like very early on I was like shit's not fair I don't like what's happening here mm-hmm. my, both my mom and dad mm-hmm. work but my mom is also driving us to school making all our food cleaning it like right away I knew the world was fucked like I just saw it in a way and I didn't like it so I've been having this argument with men forever and it's something I care about and like I want them to <laughs> be smarter about rape shit or like I just want them to understand and eventually you get tired because they will never grow or listen and they don't care but I've I especially after 2016 I would sit at these clubs like in New York and I would try I would argue with these dudes and be like do you not understand what's happening here and of course you know years later I saw one of them and he goes you really went
0: nuts but I guess you were right and I go yeah of course, I was fucking right, you idiots. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's like the second half of your degenerate special, um, yeah. which is on Netflix for everyone to watch. You know, it's like it's so precisely for us. And you can feel the men in the room are like Whoosh. shifting there. Yeah. You feel the shift. Yeah. But you're like, you have no purpose here. Like you don't <laughs> do anything. Like, what is the point of you? And I think that there's a where I I was well, as I was watching it and sending Amy my like live tweets because I don't tweet. I just send her my <laughs> thoughts. And it was a similar feeling like, oh, you're going to fucking love like it's exactly the feeling. But to say it in a group and we're pretty unafraid people. We have a like a very strong energy <laughs> that we. I I like to say people always think I'm a lot taller than I am because I have a very tall, tall energy. Six feet tall
1: right now. Yeah. They're like, she's (laughs) five
0: eleven. I'm like no five, six and a half. But thank you. Uh, But I think as you know, as women, as as immigrants or children of immigrants, it's something we're conditioned to not be, you know, we're like taught to do the right thing. But there's something here where you're like, this is the right thing. Like, I'm yeah. also taught to advocate for people.
2: And that bothers me, because it's usually the dudes and that group of dudes that love comedy that are like, you should be able to say whatever you want, man. Like, see yes. culture sucks. Why is everyone offended? And they can't fucking handle even they a can't. second. Yeah. They no. can't handle a second of being made fun of at all. They are pissed. They will send an email. They will try to get my weekends canceled. These dudes, they can't oh, handle God. any of it. They can make fun of women and their girlfriends, all day long. And the moment you touch on them, they really, not all, you know, they really collapse. And you can see in the audience of that taping, they cross their arms. Like the right. women are cackling if you take a screenshot, yeah. and the men are all crossed arms. And it's like, I'm objectively funny right now. Why are you so upset?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that there's actually something that you said in, I, I think it was in Degenerates, where. You were like, you know, not all men. There are, of course, good men. But if you, if you feel threatened or uncomfortable right now, that's you telling yourself that you're a bad man. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know that you're not one of the good ones if this is making you feel like
2: shit. They're all so delusional. I was with one guy backstage once, and he's like, I wonder if Handmaid's Tale was real, if I would be one of the good guys. And I quickly went, you wouldn't. And he was shocked. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He was like, What? <laughs> And I go, are you kidding me? If, like, the rule of law became fascist patriarchy, you think you're going to risk your life for women? I mean, like, come on. Grow up. You right. would never. You hardly advocate for women now. You're defending, like, really bad people, and you married a woman half your age. I don't know. I don't trust you. <laughs> like, But they don't—they they do not—they They see they, they see themselves very much removed from who they think bad guys are. It's really— it's fun. Do you ever Funny.
1: get like the way that we can say, oh, if you get that twinge in your stomach or if you feel that discomfort, you know that you're in the wrong that like you're wrong, right? Like even if you're sitting there with your arms crossed, like there's something in you that's telling you that you are not doing the right thing. Do you ever
2: get that feeling or does that ever happen to you? Well, not publicly, but what's popping through my head is my my friend said something to me Ah, uh, that was too mm-hmm. real. But <laughs> honest, it's something I need to work on as a person. But like when she said it, I fully shut down and was pissed. And then I was pissed at her in my head for days. But it was true. It's like, oh, yeah, I have to actually work on this. And I have it. And I've been avoiding it. And now I can't even respond to you because you're so right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do your parents enjoy your, your comedy?
2: Um, they're like really they don't really speak English, which works for me. It's like dirty. But I think sometimes they just don't bring it up. They just like watch stuff. And, you know, they like me making my dreams come true. But they're immigrant. Like, my dad will never say something nice to me. He'll tell the neighbor, but not me. Oh, that's a classic.
0: Have you been in the like Russians in America newspaper yet? And they're like proud of you. And then that's where real pride happens.
2: Um, they love me in print, but you know what? I've not done a Russian one and I should actually get on that. This is, that's interesting. I'm like grabbing my phone. I'm like, I need to get on a Russian paper. No, they like any sort of magazine paper. I've given them a lot of hardware, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I think about them. Yeah.
0: I think one of the things that we are we love and are always wrestling with, but just it comes out trite, like everyone be your, your whole self or be your authentic self, whatever. But they're this sort of... um butting up against uh, of some of the expectations of us. Right. But actually, it's just fully who all of us are. Like you're like, I don't know why you thought I would be polite in this circumstance. I've, I'm never really that way. Or why you thought I wouldn't be sexual or want all these things like that. There's no you made that story up about me. But I think there's something, uh, you know, for again, uh, for us as as immigrants or as Jews, as Koreans, I, I say us. Some, Amy and I joke a lot about <laughs> my <both> uncomfortable <laughs> line that I've, we've both crossed <laughs> with sharing each other's identities um, is that, you know, there's a lot of expectation that we are a certain way. But I think trying to think about what like the softness and hardness or the ways that we're, we kind of are enjoying like putting people on edge sometimes. And like we just both watched Joyride, which I don't know if you've I seen it. I loved it. it. You yes. So did.
1: good.
0: <laughs> loved yeah, it. I really loved it.
1: The, the two basketball boys getting a concussion because they're both giving <laughs> yeah. her head at the same, I just, <laughs> the incredible joy I felt through watching Joyride and uh, the Coke bag, just every single moment of it was so good. Yes. And I think that, that, like, I think what Rebecca's getting at here is that it feels like, you know, there have been the pioneers, like there's Joan Rivers, there's Margaret Cho, there's like all of these women that have been kind of the icon of like, bold, say what you feel, sexual, like just out there women and comedians. And that there's now this like, it feels like this new generation of mashy women artists who are who are getting to make big movies, who are getting their Netflix specials and that are just like enjoying being bad. Like,
2: yeah, I also love the explosion Um, might be some people don't, but I also like Girl comics, like, dressing ultra-feminine and kind of slutty and revealing. Like, I'm really into that because for so long I think it was like, don't show your shit, don't be this, dress like a man, you know? And, like, it was, Mm -hmm. like, grungy and it's like, what the fuck? So, like, when I see cool girls dressed hot on the stage, I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, I love that. (laughs) <laughs> I really that makes me happy.
0: Well, we, one of the things we wanted to cover with you, which is really important to us, is superstitions. We're so superstitious, and we have a whole series on bubba mices, you know, like grandmother tales. And you know, you talk a bit about this in your work about Russian Jewish superstitions. First of all, I'd like to parse out: is there like, is it Russian Jewish? Is it like a uh, so oh, Soviet? Like where are these superstitions come from? And can you give us a few of the ones that you have to keep in your house like that are part of your day to day?
2: I don't know where they come from. I think just like any culture that comes out of. War, struggle, poverty, you got to yes. look to something. So Correct. you're just like making things up. <laughs> but I never know what part of it is Jewish versus like old world Soviet or Yiddish. Like I, I never know where any of it comes from. And some of it I think is like specific to my family. I don't know. The ones that are huge for me are if I for if I leave the house, I forget something and I come back and I always look in the mirror before I leave. Yeah. Um, oh. That's important. I don't hug in a doorway. What happens if you don't? You die. I'm never even <laughs> I've never even <laughs> fucked around with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'll tell my sister and she'll be like, shut up. Like she's just kind of not into that. I don't cheers with water, but I've started to chill out on that because mm. it's just too you know, they're sober people, they deserve a cheers. But in my house, <laughs> like if you don't drink, you would get like a cheers up to your nose. But mm. um, I love that. To a
0: choose in the nose.
2: I also always um, show my pocket to a crescent moon for, you know, prosperity.
0: That is so interesting. I realized I don't do that. But just naturally, anytime I see a, a like a beautiful moon, I go outside in the evening to even just take the trash out. I find myself doing a whole th- <laughs> weird routine with the moon. Like I'll be like... <laughs> see you <laughs> <laughs> i literally do that by myself maybe this is she a, just kiss the air guys she yeah just, sent just a kiss kissing up the, the air way. and then like bringing it back in maybe this is something that i sort of knew in me the the ukrainian jews within me were uh, yeah so so it the moon you prosperity
1: is... cool yeah interesting
0: you know for amy well should we? do you want to tell her about korean fan death just to give her some more oh well
1: you can't sleep with the fan on at night because you will die
2: i sleep with a fan on all the time but i it might be why i'm sick honestly
1: i mean it also could be that this fan death only applies to korean people yeah Uh Mm -hmm. so i think that that is one of them what are some of the other ones um
0: mine is you can't put your bag on the floor because your money will run away
2: a hundred percent. I never put my bag on the floor. That's another one I do.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm.
2: You can't clink
1: your like silverware or tableware against the plates because you'll scare all the angels and good spirits away. Mm-hmm. That seems I don't obvious. do that, but
2: that makes sense. That totally
1: yeah, it like makes sense, right? It. The angels don't like noises like that. No, Duh. they don't.
2: It's so harsh. So harsh.
1: What are some of the other ones? Our Taiwanese friend has said that you can never get shoes as a gift because that person will run away from you.
2: Ooh, Wow. Right. A lot also of feels logical.
1: Also feels logical. Yeah, it feels really logical. I did logical. like the one um, that I had never heard before that I learned from you, which was the "Don't ever step over anyone's legs because yeah. then they'll never grow."
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 the problem is once you know them, and you're like, "Oh, this is so silly," but then you can't. You can never unknow you them. You cannot not do it, and then <laughs> you're like, "Well, I'm not gonna." I'm not going to not kiss, uh, open my pocket to a crescent moon. What do I know? I don't know more than anyone.
2: No, but the gift thing. Yeah, we also don't do anything sharp. No knives as gifts and no watches for some reason. And if you give a purse or a wallet, you have to put money in it for good luck that you can never spend. Oh, oh you
1: can't spend the money that comes in it. No, no. Uh, absolutely not you put it in a little pocket oh this is maybe Rebecca this is maybe how I have fallen down in life <laughs> <laughs> you spent your good luck money I spent my good luck money I was like Woo,
0: there's two dollars in here <laughs> how much is too little money that would actually be rude and and like now you're like not only is this not good luck but you're it's tacky you're, you're tacky
2: oh one dollar is fine okay really. okay it's not okay. about the amount I think yeah A (laughs) dollar is totally
0: fine. Okay, thank you. This is a really, we're going to be making this last.
2: Wow, I've Uh, really learned a lot today. uh
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah,
2: it is, like, you know, I'm just so American that sometimes I do try to be like, you don't need to do this. You can have, but I just like that. I I can't. Like, I, I don't celebrate my birthday until it happens. Oh. Like if it's on a Wednesday, I'm not gonna have a party the Saturday before because it's convenient. Absolutely not. After only.
0: Oh, you know what? As a as a superstitious Jew, especially around having babies, I was like, I mean, really to the max. This is. I went to some b- birthing class or whatever, and the and this terrible lady um, was asking <laughs> everybody what their ch- they were naming the babies, and I was like, this. This goyish environment is not for me. I was like, you cannot. And then people said the names of the baby. I was like, your baby is destined to have a terrible life. Like that's a terrible name. And also this is so this is wrong. You can't tell. You don't even that baby might not be born. Get out of here. Oh, people are loosey-goosey <laughs> nowadays. They're just showing photos, buying
2: stuff, gifts before. Absolutely And they're like,
0: uh, uh, the whole name, they're like... I don't go to baby showers. Enough.
2: I'm against it, and I do not go. Or I go and I let everyone know I will not be bringing a gift. <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. When your baby is born, you can get a gift from me.
0: Ugh, I love that you have a hard line and I think I'm so glad you're sticking with it. Um, but with that, I think we've we're just so grateful to have you here and any advice that you could give because where this is our guide to life, which is, you know, how to tap into kind of, you know, your most rebellious, renegade, degenerate self.
2: I don't know. It's like hard. My life is like a, it's like I am so fulfilled in so many ways. And then I also yeah. It sucks when the ways you're not fulfilled are the ways people usually respect other people. So that's kind mm. of hard. Like, mm-hmm. my apartment is small, but my life is so good. I think... Um, your apartment can be small and your life can be big. It's true, but God, I just wish I had one more room. Okay. Okay. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is stealing from someone else. I think I saw it at, like on Jerry Stoltz, the art critics, yeah, yeah. Instagram. Mm-hmm. But it was like a thing about artists. And one of the things is um, free time is what makes you rich, not money. And it's like, mm. um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, everyone mm-hmm. has different things and needs and cash, and I get it. But um, to me, I feel so rich because I have so much free time and I have um, full ownership of my time in every way. And that makes me happy because sometimes I'm jealous of my friends who like write for a TV show and they have more money, but they're working every day. And I could I could go to Great America today if I wanted. Like, uh, <laughs> so I think uh, sometimes, you know, value the free time and the time that you have to do what you want with friends, family, yourself. And that that's valuable as well.
0: Oh, I think to me, I, I couldn't agree more that owning your time, owning your time is like what we're working towards, actually, like it, that's the highest form of success to me. I get to own my time and pay my bills and all these, you know, not worry about if, if I have a health emergency, like there's lots of baseline living shit. But that to own my time, I'm like, ugh, that's the highest point. So I love that. I was curious, you know, you have had this journey, right? You're three years old. You leave the USSR, formerly that, now Ukraine, and you, your family gets to eventually Skokie. When you look at what your parents' lives have been, in contrast to yours, that where... I know you have some... We've heard your jokes about money, which make me cry laughing about buying your dad a Faberge egg. Oh my God. And I would love to see images of it, (laughs) but um, other ways that you think about kind of in a daily way or that your um, approach to life is sort of is formed by that experience in in contrast or in relationship to what you and your family have already kind of emerged from. The kind of chaos or context.
2: I think about them all the time and I've also hit the age where I just I feel so lucky I have them, you know. My parents are 85 and 78 and like I just feel like the luckiest girl in the world. Mm. And um I also see my friends becoming parents and it is so hard and I just cannot believe that in their 40s and my dad was in his 50s came to a country for their kid and had to do all the parent stuff. Mm. <laughs> without speaking English and working all these jobs and I get to live, like, true... I I mean, my friends make fun of me when I say life of leisure because I do work hard, (laughs) but I just love it so much and it's not manual labor, you know? And so I just... I can't believe they did it. I don't know how they did it. I can't save money. I don't know how they bought a house. Like, it is wild to me and how giving they are. And I just... I didn't realize this until I was a late teen, but people have bad parents. Like, yeah. and my parents aren't perfect. Like, my parents, like, in our home, we would yell yeah. silent treatment and then pretend nothing happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then in my 20s, when you live with people, you realize that's not a way to resolve conflict. <laughs> people don't like being yelled at. And silent treatment isn't productive, and you are living the same things. And I wish my parents had mental health help, right? Yeah, like, right. they obviously have fucking problems growing up under Stalin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> my dad's like, <laughs> Born in 1938, um, and this, I, I can't even imagine what they what they went through, but so they obviously have their flaws. You know, they're not perfect, but like they're so loving and caring about us, mm. and then you meet all these different people. All mm-hmm. over always, and you're and then you figure out like, oh fuck, like your mom's a narcissist, you know, <laughs> or like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your parents wait, what they didn't pay for this, or like they like like you just yeah, i'm I feel so like, happy. And then you learn about poverty in certain ways where, like, I never felt rich, you know, we were fresh immigrants, but I got to play basketball and I got to do theater and I got to go on field trips. I got to do all the stuff. And then you Mm -hmm. realize, oh my God, there's kids who couldn't do that. And then it's, it's, like, wild to think about.
0: Well, and also to think, I mean, we have children, my children are four and seven. And to think about the displacement, like, to And I think this is right. That fucking asshole in 2016 when you were screaming in the in the green room at the comedy store or whatever. Like, no, this is really bad. Like this idea that for us, that's part of our ancestral trauma and grief and stuff where you're like, no, like there's no reason for me to believe based on my family's entire history that I wouldn't be displaced in the next few years. There's actually no reason for me to think. They're banning books. What more (laughs) evidence do you
2: need? It's like, they're banning books. Like, is that not the first sign? They're going after the trans community. We've seen this before. And I'm sitting here like a fucking Twilight Zone being like, are we not worried? I guess we're not. And then I just do Molly and go to Vegas. Like, that's... (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: That's the Uh, only way. uh, Yeah,
2: But... (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just feel and I think so many immigrant stories are like parents making their kids do certain things. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just feel like they were just happy I got to live this like uh, that I could do what I want. And yeah. you know. And I feel lucky that they hate. So, they hate that I have tattoos. Right. They hate all these things mm-hmm. that I do, but never stop me from being me. And I think that's like really unique.
1: Oh, that's such a testament to their love I know they're
2: obsessed with me in a way that like (laughs) I don't know I don't know what they got to get another hobby they're like obsessed (laughs) (laughs) but I want to say but in terms of informing comedy like the more outside you are the better insight you have like I think with storytelling or anything like that and so I think yeah being an outsider always helps that's why all the like white dudes are all doing the same trans joke they have they have no, they have no way to see themselves. Be outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are the core. And so they are they have such a struggle to like see outside of it. But
0: oh how boring. So boring. Don't they know that punching down is so uninteresting?
2: It could it can be funny. <laughs> like that's the thing. It's like, can you actually be different? Like there are ways to make fun of everybody in a great way. And it's it's yeah, just like right. but they can't see outside of themselves. And like the more you're you're not speaking English and you're with a bunch of kids who do and you don't understand anything, you're going to have
0: some opinions on
2: what's going on.
0: <laughs> you're like, I don't know what they're saying, but that, that one's a douche. Even in second grade, I
2: remember Jenny and her family went to Disney World twice a year, every year. And back then I was like, your family is fucking crazy and now everyone <laughs> makes fun of Disney adult families and I'm like yeah I, I knew this <laughs> in second grade
0: you know? <laughs> Jenny <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay Lisa you're the greatest thank you so this much so fun. what a
2: delight <laughs> thank you for having me
0: Thank you, Lisa, for reminding us that we should never step over someone's legs ever again. Nope, never. And,
1: uh, you know, build a relationship with the moon, okay? It's important, it seems.
0: Just saying. It seems. Yes, yes. <laughs> Catch the final episode of this season of the Mashup Americans next week. We'll have the chef, author, restaurateur, and incredibly thoughtful human Pierre Tiam on the show talking about the stories and love we express through food. Oh, our favorite subject. See you then. Love you. Bye. This podcast is a production of the Mashup Americans. It is executive produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer. Senior editor and producer is Sarah Pellegrini. Production manager is Shelby Sandlin. Thanks to DJ Rob Swift for our theme song, Salsa Scratch. Additional engineering support by Pedro Rafael Rosado. Please make sure to follow and share this show with your friends.